0: This is the Bulls Talk Podcast. I'm Rob Schaefer, joined today by my NBC Sports Chicago colleague, Tony Gill. Coming up on the show, Tony and I open up the mailbag for listener questions. We discuss the Bulls ceiling come playoff time, the potential timelines on the returns of injured players such as Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and Patrick Williams, and discuss this season for Bulls fans from a big picture perspective, what would be viewed as a successful outcome. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Do you look crooked?
1: Yeah.
0: No, the frame behind you is crooked. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, really crooked. Is it always that crooked? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm getting, like, Mandela affected right now. I'm like, is that always what your room looks like? like tony um our podcast if you're listening uh that that first little or sorry if you're watching that first little piece of banter right there will make a lot more sense but tony has got to get his life in order his his room behind him is a disaster right now it's more um,
1: uh, it's more of an abstract <laughs> thing going on that I'm, that I'm going for rob okay what's the what's the little drawing right there is that is that a little, is that a bulls player the little so yeah that this person right here if you're watching this on youtube is Derek rose Oh. Uh, and my friend uh, Jason Leisure, his daughter drew this for me and mailed it to me. Oh. Uh, and then there's like a little letter behind it too, saying like, "Oh, this is my favorite player. Um, this is for you, Tony, Mr. T-. They call me Mr. Tony. Oh. Which is which is like I've never been a Mister before, so that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, she her name is Anna, and she drew their girls for me.
0: That is adorable. I was going to make fun of you for that, but now I can't even make a joke about that. Yeah, that's
1: Rob. Adorable. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah.
0: There's, nothing there to, there's nothing there to make a joke about. Although maybe we should have, um, when we do the John Morant versus Derek Rose uh, segment, maybe we should have uh, Jason's daughter on to, to weigh in um, yeah. as, as, as we have that debate, which which is going on on NBA Twitter right now. Uh, but that's not, that's not what we're here to do today, Tony. Um, speaking of things, here's a segue. Speaking of things that. Uh, need to get themselves in order. Uh, The Chicago Bulls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, are on a season-long five-game losing streak. Uh, We got, as we tend to do, a little fatigue doing the game breakdowns after every game. They get a little too granular. They get a little too in the weeds. So I I wanted to blow it out, go a little big picture with another mailbag episode. As always, uh, we put out a message from our Bulls Talk Twitter account, and the questions are always outstanding. It's always such a good, for me at least, um, again, being in the weeds so much, it's a really good exercise to kind of get the – pulse of like where fans heads are at optimistic versus pessimistic wise. Obviously there's a lot of negativity out there right now and just kind of questions oh, what people yeah. are curious about, et cetera. Um, Tony, let's start there. And I'm going to kick this one to you uh, first uh, from, uh, from Gustavo our good buddy, Gustavo Vega. Can the bulls get out of this downward spiral? And if so, how, what are you, what are your initial thoughts on, on that question?
1: Uh, health. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, health and easier schedule. Um, I think, you so, know, right now, uh, we'll, they, no, no, go ahead. Yeah,
0: I, I can add to that. Look, actually, I, sh- I should have led off at this one. Cause I, I have a couple notes here. Their next 12 games, which takes them through the end of March. You talked about easier schedule. Now, The Bulls have the second hardest schedule per basketball reference in the NBA down the stretch of the season, but their next 12 games, a lot it's road heavy at Detroit versus Cleveland at Sacramento, at Utah, at Phoenix versus Toronto at Milwaukee, at New Orleans, at Cleveland, at Knicks, at Washington versus Clippers. So nine of those 13 games are on the road. You do have Utah. You do have Phoenix. You do have Milwaukee in there. Uh, even some of the winnable games like Detroit uh, is, has won six to the last eight. New Orleans has the second-best net rating in the league since the start of February. But, like, you know, health is important, but to the point of easier schedule, like for you, Tony, if they go seven and five, eight and four in that stretch, and that takes you through the end of March, if they can get a little healthier over the course of that stretch, like, fans are probably feeling a little bit better about this team by, by the, by the time April rolls around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bulls aren't as, as bad as this five game, uh, lose streak healthy. Um, I just want to put that in perspective. Uh, I think, but yeah, outside of, you know, them playing easier opponents, um, or non playoff contending opponents. Uh, and you know, Detroit isn't a, what did I say like that? Detroit. Um they're not in the playoffs, but what, they won like, like five of six or something like that? Or six, like six of eight six of eight and, and, yeah. Yeah. They've been playing really well uh recently and K Cunningham has found his footing in the at the NBA level. So um yeah, I mean Detroit's gonna gonna be not gonna be just a, a pushover team either. And we know Cleveland me and Rob Secret team. You know, <laughs> Cleveland they're out here balling on people. Um, but yeah, like outside of health and uh, you know a lighter schedule, like it is, it is what it is. Like right now, um, they they played like a lot of good teams, a lot of teams with championship aspiration, um, and the Bulls aren't just there yet, even healthy, wise. Like it was going to be tough beating those teams uh, that are better than them. Uh, they had to play a little bit above themselves uh, in order to you know beat you know the Sixers of the world and uh, the teams of that ilk. Uh, but yeah, other than that, yeah, I mean, you're just gonna have to uh, suffer through this until you get your guys back as healthy as possible.
0: Yeah, I think they got to go 500 in this, above 500 in these next 12 games. I mean, that goes without saying. And the matchups with Cleveland, who's a game and a half back of them right now, the Bulls are in fourth as we're talking right now, but Cleveland in sixth is only a game and a half back of them, and Boston, who's a game or uh, a half game behind them, and probably the hottest team in the league right now, they've got one game left against Boston. Like those matchups are so important because the Bulls have already lost the tiebreakers to Miami, who's kind of sprinting past them standings wise. Anyway, they've uh, obviously are are swept by Philly as of Monday night and then Milwaukee down 0-2. You know, you'd have to win the next two matchups and then you'd, I think, have to win the division. I think that's the next tiebreak. Like winning the tiebreak against Milwaukee also looks pretty unlikely at this point. Um, So those Boston and Cleveland matchups are huge. Uh, Winnable games coming up. I want to see the Bulls, you know, really, uh, you know, take it to a couple teams on the road. That's something that would be, Uh, important for me to see personally just because you know this 4-5 thing to me is more important it's we're not quite there where we're like every game is gonna decide the end of season seating but to me the 4-5 the Bulls staying in four is super super important especially if it's against a team like Boston because both of those home crowds are gonna be electric both of these teams Boston and the Bulls are teams that are like 10 plus games above 500 at home but 500 teams on the road the Bulls are actually the only team for today at least that uh, the only playoff team that has an above 500 record at home, but are under 500 on the road. The Celtics are exactly 500. Um, So to me, nine to 13 on the road, like, or sorry, not uh, however many nine to 13 on the road. It's or nine to 12 on the road. It's a challenge for this team, but to me, it's an opportunity when you have some winnable opponents in there. Like I just think some of these games, you just can't lose. Like as much as you can't overlook Detroit, you can't lose that game. You can't lose at Knicks. You can't lose at Wizards, just given where a lot of these teams are um, in their seasons right now. So Good opportunity there. I think that's, like you said, Tony, there's no like big grand philosophical epiphany thing that the Bulls need to have necessarily um to like get out of the depths of this specific downward spiral getting healthier, which we don't really have a, a firm timeline on now, but should we would think happen by the end of the month and some, you know, easier opponents coming up than Grizzlies, Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, like that was a gauntlet and the Bulls were not mm-hmm. up to the challenge, but you know, that's what the regular season is for. There are these ups and downs, and then you got to hope that they're healthy come playoff time. Um, all right, let's go to the next question here from uh, Windy City Digits. Uh, here's another uh, kind of <laughs> negative-leaning one. Uh, Tony, can you talk fans off the ledge about the Bulls being frauds, please? <laughs> With
1: please at the <laughs> end. <laughs> um, I guess the the, the key word in, the, in in that question is is frauds. Like, and I think we we talked about it Rob a little bit before we started recording is it was where your expectation level were uh, was at at the beginning of the season and as they were kind of riding high. I never thought they were as good as that number one seed you know means you know mm-hmm. best in the conference. um I never thought that they would end up as the number one you know seed in in the Eastern Conference, like once Milwaukee kind of got healthy and started to figure things out. Uh, once Miami got a little bit more healthier, they even having like things wrong with their team. Um, and once these other teams that I thought was better than them, Sixers, um, kind of figured it out, like they were going to end up being higher seeded than the bulls. Uh, and that's okay. Right. Like nobody jumps from as bad as they were these last couple years to number one seed outside of having like, you know a first ballot hall of famer come to you come to your roster
0: like like cleveland um, went like cleveland yeah. when they were like the worst team in the league lebron comes okay yeah you're gonna be you know yeah. the
1: team the team. like that that usually doesn't happen that way and again it's okay like you this can be a you know take a step season nobody's expecting championship we just want it relevant you know basketball in Chicago with a, with the national presence and they play hard. Like this is this is a good season for the Chicago Bulls. I don't want any you know confusion about what this season is. This is a good season. Nobody expected this season with a you know top five MVP candidate. Like this mm-hmm. is, these are all positives. Um so look the the season is what it is, right? You just have to change your perspective on what this Bulls team is. That that's all it is. Um, there's no, you know walking off the ledge or anything like that. This team was never going to win a championship, <laughs> never going to win a championship this year. Um, and I know that's strong, but for me, like, yeah. that's, 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 it's a fact that we're never going to win a championship this year. So there's no need to walk off any ledges. Like if you jump, it's like a three feet pool. <laughs> like, that's that's how shallow that that jump is off the ledge. Yeah. So don't go crazy, Bulls fans. Uh, I tweeted something last night um, as that game was winding down against uh, Philly. Like, enjoy this season for what it is, Bulls fans. Like, it, just enjoy it. Like, think of where they were, like, if they were injuries last year, how bad they would have been. They've been playing through injuries all year, and they're still a top five seed in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a positive. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at with 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 this, Rob. I don't know what your thoughts.
0: Yeah, about that. yeah. I think you I think you said it perfectly in the sense that the word "frauds" wh- how you think of that word is defined by your expectations. I was never someone just being honest about like what my takes have been throughout the season or what my opinions have been throughout the year. I was never someone that was like, okay, the Bulls are a surefire championship contender. I always thought that they had something to prove against these elite level teams because if you look, you know, they did lose to Philly twice in November and they had mm-hmm. Caruso and Ball for that game. Uh, and they didn't have Kobe White, but that's and, – and they didn't have Patrick, obviously. Um, but, you know, they did have Crusoe and Ball, and Philly was shorthanded in those games. They lost that first game. That was a great game. It was a competitive game mm-hmm. at the United Center in late November where they had Crusoe and Ball against Miami. So they always had something to prove against, to me, Philly, Miami, uh, and uh, Milwaukee, and then Brooklyn. I mean, who knows with Brooklyn, but at the beginning of the season, they would have been thought of uh, mm-hmm. as one of those teams. But I I was, you know, mid-December, as late as that maybe late December, willing to hear the Bulls out in terms of, okay, if one or two things break right, like this is a team that could be past the second round in the final four teams and then like maybe you're a breakaway. I was willing to hear them out. That's why I was so eager to have the trade deadline conversation of, is it worth it to push all the chips in for, you know, if there's a person out there who could be that missing piece, Uh, obviously that didn't come to fruition. And it's probably because the front office just didn't see that person out there, which is fair as the, as the market unfolded, that became pretty clear that that kind of surefire option uh, wasn't out there. But like you say, the big picture, like I went, uh, like, I I don't remember exactly what my wins prediction was, but I remember thinking at the beginning of the season and I was viewed as kind of optimistic by, you know, in terms of the media sphere, not the fan sphere, but the media sphere of thinking this team was like 44 to 46 wins, like mid forties wins four or five seed. Um, and that's the way that they have gotten to this point sucks because they flash that high ceiling and then the injuries happen. But the big picture of if this team is able to be 500 to above 500 down the stretch and they're in like that 48 to 50 win range and are a four seed like and if they win a playoff round and they're if they're, if they're a round two team um that's a successful season to me that's and you said, with the top too. five with, with the top five uh, MVP candidate that's a successful season to me then you get to the question of all right off season coming up you know big payday for Zach how are we going to improve the roster what are the next steps uh, we can have that conversation when it's when it's time to have it but um yeah, I just don't think I'm ever going to use the word frauds for this team as yeah. long as they stay in this kind of bracket that they're in right now, which, as we just hit on, I think they have an opportunity to do with the upcoming schedule. Um, and, you know, especially if they win a, a playoff round. And to me, even when fully healthy, I'm not saying like right now it would be easier for me to pick against them in round two, but it was always a question mark of, man, even when fully healthy, how do they stack up against Miami, Milwaukee, Philly? That was always a question, right? Yeah. So if they're out in round two, that was a that was a reasonable outcome if they had stayed fully healthy the whole season anyway.
1: Yeah, um, and and, and yeah. I mean, and if it, certain things break away with, with the standings where they match up with one of those teams, like, you know, Brooklyn right now, right? Like if the Bulls end up matching up with them in the first round or any one of those teams that they have issues with in the first round, like it's still a successful season, successful yeah. season. They just don't match up well with those teams. So if they even if they are out in the first round, to me, it's still a success. Cause I like I knew they're not gonna they're not gonna match up well against those teams. So if they, you know, match up with Cleveland, obviously it will still be difficult. Um, but I think they got a better chance against Cleveland. I think they got a better chance against Toronto and, you know, Charlotte or, you know, one of those type of teams in that section. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if they manage to match up with one of those teams in the first round, they make it to the second round and it's a second round exit. This season was hugely successful and yeah. better than I even thought.
0: I mean, hopefully they don't get stomped in, in a yeah, first yeah. round or second answer. You know, I mean, that would change it a little bit, obviously. Uh, but I, I don't think they will if the, as as they trend towards mm-hmm. healthier. Uh, some other off-the-ledge things, just some notes that I that I had. Um, the Zach DeMar-Vooch trio, I looked up some lineup stats this morning. The yeah. Zach DeMar-Vooch trio without Lonzo or Caruso on the floor is exactly, is it for PBP stats, mm-hmm. which is a great website for looking up lineup combinations. Is exactly neutral net rating wise. 119.64 offensive rating, which is like historically good offensively, just an elite <laughs> offense. And then mm-hmm. exactly that defensively, which on the flip side, okay, if that's a historically elite offense, if you're giving up that many points at the same time, pretty bad defensively. <laughs> so, you know, that that's that's Zach Demar Vooch without Lonzo and Crusoe. Mm-hmm. Zach Demar Vooch with Lonzo and Crusoe on the court, which obviously it's a small sample size. I think it's around 100 minutes, but that was their closing lineup when they were fully healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So like When it's winning time, that is the unit that you would expect to see if they're fully healthy. Mm -hmm. Plus 11.7 net rating, uh, 110.14 offensive rating. That's like, you know, around average uh, offense, but with a ton of great, obviously, shot making ability in that lineup. Mm -hmm. And 98.48 defensive rating, which is, you know, elite level defensively. We've, I think Billy has skewed this direction. I think we've skewed this direction of saying, let's not make excuses for this team with Alonzo Mm -hmm. and Caruso out. But we can't go too far to, like, completely minimize their impact. Their impact is massive, Mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, with just rotations, with communication. Lonzo, I also looked up, uh, you know, the offensive impact of him because I think that's gotten a little bit underrated. Obviously, he gets them out and running in transition. His playmaking is valuable. You know, he was also shooting over 42% on seven and a half threes a game. Mm -hmm. This Bulls team, they're selective with their three-point shooting. They still have the second highest percentage in the NBA on threes, but they're taking the, the, the fewest. But since Lonzo went out in mid-January, they're down to 14th in three-point percentage, um, and that that's only dropped them for the season from first to second. But when you take out that level of shooting from the lineup, like you see games against like Philly last night, for example, where I think they went 8 to 24 or something like that, and that can really, even though the offense has largely been great, like the point is Lonzo and Cruz coming back is going to be hugely, hugely impactful. We'll see if they can be 100%. Um, let's not skew too far where we. Like, you know, again, like the word frauds to me is just strong to describe this yeah. no matter how the rest of the season plays out. I'm never going to use that word. OK, next question. We're, we're really getting in the weeds here. Uh, Tommy. <laughs> uh, next question from Don Lone. Don Lone, Don Lon. Uh, expected question from him, but Lonzo update. So this is a good segue to that. Uh, has he progressed uh, to any point of cutting or explosive movement this Friday is day one uh, of week six uh, of his six to eight week timeline? So expecting a more definitive update soon, maybe. Um, So the last, like, formal update we've gotten from Billy was eight days ago, and it still sounded like Lonzo, Caruso, and Pat were, quote-unquote, like, a couple weeks away. Now, this is obviously eight eight days ago, so maybe we can't expect a definitive update soon. From being cleared for contact, being cleared to practice, like, that's going to be the big next step. That's when you know they're kind of on the doorstep and making significant progress. Um, I don't – there just hasn't been much, and I think the Bulls have have treated injuries this way for a lot of the season where they're not going to give definitive updates until – They're, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, sure about a guy's status. Uh, I do not know, especially because I haven't been on the road for these last couple games, um, what Lonzo's regiment has been like in terms of his running. You could take this as a positive sign. You could take it as nothing. The fact that uh, for this week where the Bulls were uh, in Philly on Monday, they're in Detroit on Wednesday, and then they're back home on Saturday. They actually sent Lonzo, Caruso, and Patrick Williams back to Chicago instead of going to Detroit with the team because they thought those three or four days could be, kind of big from a rehab perspective from a recovery perspective. I think I take that as, as a positive because the bulls have so been so adamant about uh, keeping guys engaged with the team and around with the team for the season. So if they're, you know, sending guys away for a game in Detroit, because they think that rehab time back in Chicago could be so valuable. Like maybe we do get a definitive update by the end of this week, because guys will be in the bulls facility and working and making uh, progress. Uh, so I, that's a long way And I don't really have the definitive Lonzo update for anybody. I think, I've always targeted like mid to late March for these guys. Um, You know, Patrick's a little bit more nebulous, but I think by the end of the month, I'd be kind of surprised if we don't have at least one or two of them uh, back. Uh, And then, uh, you know, obviously with Lonzo, with the six weeks coming up from his recovery uh, timeline that was initially set, I would definitely expect a definitive update uh, within the next week. That That is a, you know, that is a step forward uh and then we'll see on Caruso because he's also now in the if Lonzo's almost at the six week Caruso is in the six to eight week re-evaluation timeline window where he'll have to get his wrist re make sure everything's feeling okay um and healing okay uh so don't have anything definitive right now but I would expect something in the next week in terms of an update not them being back but an update uh within the week because we're in that window now and it's been nothing but these guys are progressing as expected every time we've gotten an update so.
1: yeah I mean. Uh the bigger uh, discussion for me with this, like we got a chance to see IO full force um, yeah. with all the responsibilities. And I think that is uh much bigger positive than trying to make a, you know, a deeper push into the playoffs is we know what IO can do, at least at this point, or what he can grow into. Um, and that, that to me was, was far more important uh, this year um, was knowing what you have in, in, in IO Dosumu. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: That's a good point. And actually, let's let's skip down a few questions and let's just let's let you keep riffing off that. Um, from Matt. Baumgardle. Uh Again, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing anybody's name. I'm just reading it off text. I just, I just want to put it out there that I'm not assuming – I'm not trying to mispronounce it if, if I am. But from, from that, uh, uh Love Kobe off the bench. Gives the Bulls some much-needed three-point shooting. Agree with that. And Kobe has sneakily been having uh, a really, really good season offensively and has improved defensively. It kind of doesn't get talked about that much, but it's it's true. Uh, but once a, uh, Alex Crusoe and Lonzo come back, shouldn't Io stay ahead of him in the rotation – Kobe, that is – uh, with Kobe's minutes taking a hit, Tony, how do you how would you like to see that play out? Because um, you know this Bulls team, obviously the rotation is short right now. They need reinforcements, but a lot of these reinforcements, I mean Patrick TBD, but a lot of these reinforcements are going to be guards. So it's kind of an interesting thing of how small can they play. How, how how would you like to
1: see that play out? Um, I think that Io can be trusted enough in winning time to actually play crucial minutes. Um, I think at least for the short term, I don't know what the plan, I think they will have to depending on who's playing the best per game or, uh, later in the season, I think you go with that. But initially, um, I think you got to play all things equal, right? Like when Lonzo's ready to play, I don't know if he should start when he comes back. Uh, obviously Caruso was coming off the bench, uh, Mm -hmm. before, uh, but I would like to, I mean, they're playing, you know, well, like Kobe and IO, they're playing well. I I wouldn't want to discourage their effort by limiting their minutes too much. Um, I think in the initial return of, of both those guys, you play at, at, at a per game basis on a per play basis. Uh, who's, who's hot, who's playing, who's performing well in, in these late game situations. Then you stick with that. Um, and I know you paid, you know, Alonzo a lot of money. I know you paid Caruso, you know, a lot of money, but the flexibility of this roster from the guard position, I think can be used as a positive. I um, mean, I know eventually you're going to have to have a defined rotation sooner uh, rather than later, but at least for the first few games on their return, I, um, I like seeing IO play basketball out there. Like I yeah. feel like he handled himself really well. He performs well off the ball and he's one of your lead uh, people defensively. So you're not really lacking too, too much uh, on the defensive end. And I just want to see him grow and shine because for me, it's. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm being too harsh, like they're not going to win a championship. So I want to see the young guys perform. So yeah, but
0: you can't, but, but even if you don't have that expectation, It's still a win now season and you have to operate as if, you know, you're only a break or two away from, you know, getting further in the playoffs. I mean, most people expect, I think I, I would push back on that. And I think it's a little bit too far towards the development skew. Mm -hmm. And while I agree with the principle of can't rush these guys back too hard, got to be careful with them, got to reintegrate them and have a plan to reintegrate them. They just don't have, by the time these guys come back, they're not going to have that many games left, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can't, kind of screw around to me you're gearing up for the playoffs right now and mm-hmm. the longer that you have these guys and you don't you're not you're not using that time to build your actual playoff rotation like your best mm-hmm. eight or nine guys it kind of seems like wasted opportunity when you're gearing up for what is probably going to be a competitive first round series now at this point point. Uh and then obviously second round and beyond let me so since the Caruso injury I went and looked at minutes minutes allocation since since that injury basically I view that injury as when this team kind of became what it is for the last month and a half. DeMar's playing 38.2 minutes a game. Zach's playing 36.6 minutes per game. I.O. I mean, it's just, it's so impressive uh, for, for, for a first year guy, a rookie 36.2 minutes a game, basically in the last month and a half. Uh, Vooch 34.9, Kobe 30.3, Javante 28, Troy Brown Jr. 19.8, uh, and Tristan Thompson 19.4. So those, are, those are, those have been the Bulls top eight guys in minutes, you know, mm-hmm. minutes per game since the, the Caruso injury. I actually don't have Derek Johnson Jr. in front of me, but, you know, he's in that he's typically in that 15 to 20 minute range, too. Mm -hmm. I think I don't think it has to be one or the other in terms of actually playing rotation minutes. Obviously, this Bulls team uh, plays small, Uh, but if it was a matchup thing, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me either. Like if you need IO's defensive capability, as much as Kobe has improved defensively this season, IO Mm -hmm. is beyond him on that end of the floor at that point Mm -hmm. or at this point. I would be more comfortable going to him in a matchup like that. If you need Kobe shooting, which Billy has shown that he trusts in high leverage moments throughout the season, you know, that's, there's opportunity for that to get in the game too. For me, like if Kobe's minutes scale back with the, with the guy, with the new guys coming back, if Kobe's minutes scale back more towards 25 than 30 and IO's minutes scale back more towards the high twenties than the mid thirties and Javante's minutes scale back to the mid twenties, as opposed to the high twenties, If Troy Brown Jr., I mean, let's be real, when this team is healthy, he's not in the rotation. So those 20 minutes, you can wipe him off the board completely in all likelihood. Tristan, because he's – you know, they're not going to have to – you wouldn't think they would run this double big lineup as much. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to be playing up near 20 minutes a game necessarily. He he can kind of go back to that backup center, that true backup center role because he'll be further down in the rotation. Uh, Maybe you tick DeMar down a minute or two from 38. Zach, a minute or two down from 36. Um, I think there's room for both. You play the matchups. And this team is going to play so small that mm-hmm. I would just expect you know them to run a lot more with DeMar at the four, Javante at the four. Caruso was functionally playing some four earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Kobe's minutes obviously take a hit. Io's minutes take a hit too. Uh, just based on the trust tree at this point, I would expect Io's minutes to still level out as higher than Kobe's over a larger sample size. But mm-hmm. it's a little bit matchup dependent, and I think it's a luxury that the Bulls have that their guard room is so deep. As yeah. you mentioned – even though they're on a five game losing streak right now, the fact that they have these two young guards that have been so productive and honestly consistent, which is a huge mm-hmm. question for Kobe the first two seasons of his career. It's been huge for them to at all survive the last two, three months. Yeah. Um, so it's been a huge asset for them. Uh, it's going it, to, it, it's, it remains to be seen exactly how it's going to break out, but I think both their minutes take a hit. Io probably still levels out a little bit higher because he can just, he gives you a little bit more defensively. He probably gives you a little bit more as a shot creator and a playmaker for others. Um, mm-hmm. Especially in the half court. And, uh, you know, when they play small as much as they do, they're going to want to play fast. So you need both of those guys to to play as
1: fast as, yep. as Billy wants to play.
0: Um, anything else there, Tony? I, I've got another good segue question.
1: Uh, no, we're not going at right it.
0: Dylan uh, Ficka, uh, how much of a front court defensive boost can Patrick Williams help provide against the big four opponents in the East this playoff run? I think this is a good segue because, as we just talked about, there are reinforcements coming, but a lot of them are guards. This team is still thin in the front court, is still searching for answers in the front court, as evidenced by the fact that Billy went as far as to play Tristan Thompson and Nikola Vucevic together over the course of two games. And actually when Vuce comes back, depending on the matchup, I don't even know that that experiment is is over. Um, But, you know, Patrick Williams, he's like, the archetype-wise is like the ideal four that you could plug into this system and this roster that they are playing. But for you, Tony, how much are you actually expecting of Patrick, provided he's able to come back at some point in the next few weeks? I don't
1: know.
0: That's the answer, right? I mean,
1: that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't know. Like, I don't don't know what he is. I don't know what he can do. Um, right now we're basing it on his physical, like, gifts and you know what he looks like. Uh, which is you know weird, reducing a uh black man to his physical uh (laughs) (laughs) capabilities. Um, but no, but uh, seriously, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, you know what's funny? Like, it seems like it'd be more of a hassle trying to integrate him into a playoff push than it would be just to sit him. I don't know if that's weird to say, but it just, with Tristan Thompson, like, we know what he is, we know what he can do. You know that you're going to need him if you match up against Giannis, Embiid, you know, those type, bam, you know, those type players, Uh, because you know, Vooch won't be able to, you know, stay in front of those guys. Uh, But Pat like I know defense is like effort more effort than anything Um, so that's that's a bonus you don't really have to you know learn learn so much or you know get integrated so much into a defense versus you know finding your Mm -hmm. spot in an offense but man I I just don't know what what he is and I don't think a lot of fans know and I don't think a lot of media members know I don't Mm -hmm. even know if Arturis and Mark Eversley exactly know what Patrick Williams is and what he can bring on the court right now, today. Um, as much as the information they have, and as much as they've been around him, and knows, you know, knowing his personality and his character, they just haven't seen enough of him.
0: Yeah, it's a bummer, right? This is exactly how we were talking about Patrick Williams coming into the season, and it's why it was such an exciting second season for him it didn't get off to the right start with the ankle and training camp didn't play well in the first five games then has this you know really traumatic and just brutal wrist injury where he tears all these ligaments in, in his left wrist it's it's a long-term absence now as he's you know ramping up and trying to return it's still being talked about like listen this surgery was so complicated and so complex and it's it's left such a you know impact that it's it we have to treat his recovery differently they're treading cautiously you know it's taken a while for him to rebuild strength in that wrist he still hasn't been cleared for contact as we're talking at the at at this point so i i mean i totally agree with you tony i can't pretend to know what to expect from him i think the fact that billy has left the door open to him not jumping right back into the starting lineup when he returns when you really think about it i mean obviously that starting spot wouldn't be promised to him javante Mm -hmm. has has filled in nicely there they are clearly comfortable um playing that small at the fourth spot between Javante, DeMar, as I mentioned, Caruso, uh, Derek is even, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even the fact that that door is open shows you that there is some uncertainty there, and it's nobody's fault. It's just a 20-year-old player who had his ups and downs as a rookie, and, you know, continuity just would have been so massive for him this season and kind of figuring out what he is and where he was able to improve in the offseason. It's just unreasonable for me to expect – anything substantial out of him. I think anything you get, I mean, we were talking about this before the show, like mm-hmm. if you get 20 to 23 steady rotation minutes out of him, like to me, that's a win and, it, and it's mm-hmm. good. Um, in terms of how much, you know, we can expect to him against, and, and the question is framed against the top four teams in the East. And I assume that means Miami, Milwaukee, uh, Philly, and and maybe Brooklyn. Uh, I mean, you could maybe Boston. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like a second round opponent, as, as far as what you can expect him against those type of teams, I, I, I just – I truly have no idea. Uh, and we, we just we just have to see what he looks like if and when he does return before making that determination. Because like you said, defense maybe is a little bit easier to plug and play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've seen – we saw Patrick with his ups and downs offensively last season. It's like, is he going to be able to find his footing there on the fly with this team uh, that has played together for, for a lot of the season? He's not familiar with playing with a lot of these guys. And for that matter, whenever he does return, they're going to be reintegrating Lonzo and Caruso too. So there's going to be a lot of flux. I mean, that's something I hope people are prepared for too, is like even when these guys get back, it's not going to be 100% fix on the first day. Like it's going to take a while for these guys to not only get back to 100% and back to their 100% rhythm. Rotations are going to be, you know, a trial and error thing for a few games and, you know, running out of time just to have as much ramp up time as you need for that. So again, this is why hopefully guys are able to get back and get back safely by the end of the month. And then you can have, you know, 10 to 12 games to the end of the regular season before you're in a, a playoff environment. Um So yeah, Tony, that was a five minute conversation way of saying we have no idea <laughs> Patrick Williams. and uh, we'll find yeah. out along with the rest of you guys. Right. I and mean, That's that's really where we're at. Um uh, Here's one from never Uh DeMar DeRozan has been in a mini slump. Uh, how much do you think of that is because of fatigue defenses adjusting uh, or his shots simply not falling. Tony, before I kick it to you, Throzen's last five games, which is basically since which one is the losing streak, mm-hmm. uh, and two is since his streak of thirty-five plus point games, fifty percent better shooting. That streak, that kind of uh, you know streak, that's kind of a mouthful to say. But mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when that since that was snapped, he's averaging twenty-four point six points a game. That's obviously you know almost four below his season-long average, uh, five point four assists. Uh, he's shooting 39.3% from the field and a very uncharacteristic 41.4% from the mid-range. I mean, he's up, He's shooting like 50% from mid-range for the season and was obviously above 50% before the streak started. Uh, what have you seen from DeMar uh, over the last few games? I, I, these factors that the uh, that never lists fatigue, defenses adjusting, shots not falling. Is it a combination of all of them? Do you, do you skew one way or the other? Um, what, what do you think is going on with DeMar?
1: Uh, I think it's a combination of, Fatigue uh, and teams uh, late in the season that want to solidify their status and into you know in playoff seeding, taking the Bulls games uh, a little bit more seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a combination of all of that, uh, but also like, and you know I, I can put Billy a little bit in this too is. Uh, teams are adjusting to where DeMar likes to catch, to where DeMar likes to, to play, and there hasn't been much of an adjustment on Billy's part on using DeMar in different ways. Um, their offense isn't, you know, super complicated, <laughs> yeah. um, especially in fourth quarters, you know, because uh, because of not having uh, Lonzo and Caruso, they've been in a lot of shootouts with teams. Um and on offense, sometimes when you watch them, it's Demar dribble, bring the ball up, screen roll somewhere at the three point line, so he can get to that mid range, you know, area. Uh, but once teams start double teaming that, like blitzing that that screen, it's like, okay, now what?
0: And then, well, and then you see, and then you quickly realize how short the rotation is. Yeah. and you know, some of these games have been played not the not the last five, but some of these games in the last month or two have been played without Zach. You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Zach, we know Zach is not a hundred percent, you know, himself, um, either. So, um, I look, this is the best season DeMar DeRozan has ever had, you know, in his uh-huh. you know life, like from everything that we know of DeMar DeRozan, it has not been this. So it may be a little bit, you know, regression back to the mean, just a little bit. Um, some of, some of that too, but yeah, I don't, Again, it's where the expectations were, yeah. right? Like, DeMar's been playing out of his mind all year. Like he's been playing great, but the league adjusts, and the Bulls are going to have to adjust back. He's going to have to adjust back. Those catches, you know, on the mid range aren't going to be as easy, you know, anymore. Those shots are going to feel a little bit more contested now that the teams know that. You know, it felt like when everybody's zigging right in terms of the NBA and the play style where the three-point shot, the mid-range is, mm-hmm. the importance of the mid-range has significantly decreased. Uh, the Bulls and DeMar have zagged, which, you know, teams are like, whoa, like nobody does this anymore. Like, how do you guard this? Like in a sense. Uh, um, like I'm supposed, taking, to, I'm supposed to guard that area of the court between the three-point line and the paint? What? Right. What's going on? <laughs> right. So like, you know, he was taking advantage of, um uh, what's uh, there's a business an an, an inefficiency right market inefficiency a market inefficiency he was taking advantage of that which is great right that's what you want to do but when teams are like okay guard everybody in the rest of the league like this but when you play the bulls guard them like this and everybody has a focus on okay now guard them like this like the bulls are in need of secondary kind of move or at least put him in a better position to see that double team to see to pass to you know an open man um, or something, you know, move him in different spaces on the court because he's your best player. Mm-hmm. Like, that, mean, that that doesn't mean not give him the ball. Like, he's going to need the ball for their success for this season. It's just, what are the different ways can they use DeMar now, now that the league has adjusted? And, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of fatigue. He needs to play in order for him to win. Like, he needs to play those 38, every one of those 38 minutes for them to win these games. Um, and that catches up with you in the 82-game season.
0: I'm actually glad you brought up this, 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 uh, this dynamic of adjusting. Cause not, I mean, not only, you know, you look at the five opponents that the Bulls have played in this losing streak, uh, four of them are playoff teams, Memphis, Miami. Uh, you've got Atlanta in there who obviously they're so potent offensively. They can kind of beat anybody on a given night, Milwaukee and Philly. Tristan Thompson talked about this uh, last night after the Philly game. Like when you play good teams like this, it's not just that, um, you know, the quality of competition is higher. Like as you get further along into the season, like teams treat these games as playoff previews, as sizing yourself up against some of the best teams in the league. Mm. And, you know, the Bulls aren't being overlooked that the way that they were, you know, during the rebuild years, like Mm -hmm. they're viewed as someone that you test your mettle against. And he brought up, and he wasn't talking about DeMar specifically, but Tristan brought up the Memphis game specifically. And I, I would have to go back and watch, or maybe I'd have to go follow up to find out exactly what adjustments he was talking about. But he mentioned the Memphis game as a way, or as a game where, and he's obviously only been around for, you know, two weeks or whatever. But he mentioned the Memphis game as a way they were defended in a very, like, interesting way that was clearly an adjustment from how they'd been defended in the past. And he thinks, you know, he said something about, you know, that tape gets out, that gets around the league and, and mm-hmm. people adjust and they throw different looks at you, et cetera, et cetera. So I agree that it's a combination of all these different factors for DeMar. I'm a little bit less inclined to say fatigue just because mm-hmm. the way that he's playing right now, you know, this far into his career, the season that he's had, and I've said, I've said this about a couple It's like, I think in a couple of years, we're going to be talking about him as one of those, like not on the level of Chris Paul or LeBron necessarily, mm-hmm. but like, like elite, you know, level production or whatever um, of those guys. But we'll be talking about him as a guy whose career longevity and his, the way that he takes care of his body and the way that, you know, he's like fitness and diet regimen and stuff like that. Like he has that quality to him. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know that. I think that like, Oh, the minutes are catching up with him or anything like that, but the Bulls have played a lot of good teams recently that are throwing different looks at them, uh, specifically that Milwaukee game. I mean, Miami has a ton of tremendous wing defenders. Mm-hmm. That Specifically that Milwaukee game, I think the combination of Drew Holiday, and it kind of surprised me, you probably shouldn't have, but Wes Matthews, I think they were oh, just yeah. defending DeMar DeRozan individually about as well as you can defend him mm-hmm. and weren't fouling into the foul trap or falling into the, the landing spot foul mm-hmm. trap in terms of him when he was pulling up for those mid-range jumpers. He's gotten so many uh, you know, trips to the free throw line. They're not easily moved on the block. Exactly. And that, and, that, and that too. And, and, you know, these are, these, you know, Wes Matthews is like a traditional wing true yep. holiday because he's, you know, point guard sized and, and handles the ball a lot. He gets thought of, I think, as you know, a point guard, but he's a, he's long and tough mm-hmm. as hell and, you know, can defend pretty much any position uh, from, you know, one to four uh, to me at least. And he can do it about as well as anybody. So it's a confluence of factors and then the regression thing, right? Like he was never going to shoot. He was never going to score 35, 40 points a game. And shoot sixty percent from the field for the rest of the season. That was just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to see how you know things you know course correct as we said with the schedule being what what it is moving forward. But it was the first time, and Tony, we've had this conversation of oh, uh, how much to read into Demar's like past you know uh, tr- playoff track record. Mm-hmm. He seems like a completely different player to me at this stage in his career, so I don't read too much into that. But this recent stretch here, and especially that Milwaukee game, was a window to me, just watching it up close of. Oh, man, like playoff defense, like championship caliber teams locked in. Mm-hmm. It is gonna be a completely different beast for this bulls team, and obviously that's gonna affect DeMar as the head of their as the head of the snake. It's gonna affect him first and foremost because he's the guy that teams are gonna be keyed in on the most
1: mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, Rob, you're right. Um watching uh Demar has been uh, a joy this year, but I can't dismiss, you know. all the evidence I have prior to this season, right, in terms of a a ceiling for for this team when he's your best player. Like, I can't completely dismiss that, especially if if he was like 28, 29, right, it'd be different, you know, but he's in his mid-30s, and it's like, you know, you kind of are what you are. You know, you can maximize what you are, which I think he certainly has uh, in his style of play, but you are what you are. And, you know, when things start happening where teams start to adjust and there's no real adjustment back at least not yet mm-hmm. um this is what it's going to look like
0: yeah and that's the thing we're not we're not we're not overreacting here to a five-game sample because he's been so great all season and again when the bulls are a fully staffed team you have more outlets that doesn't allow teams to load up on guys like Barnes yeah. yeah. as mm-hmm. much you know what I mean? so this is why health and the way that this coaching staff adjusts billy in you know a, a moment of candor or a couple of moments of candor uh last night after the Philly game really like looked inward pretty deeply on. I need to be better. I need to put these guys in better positions. So, you know, this, you know, this, this stretch to the end of March and really the rest of the regular season are going to be, you know, pretty illuminating uh, from that perspective, how the bulls are able to punch back uh, on a lot of these teams. Uh, All right, let's go to the last question here. uh, And it kind of dovetails off of some stuff that we were talking about earlier uh, from D slash dollar sign KO. I don't even know how to read that. Uh, Do you see this team making a run in the playoffs if they're completely healthy or are we putting big expectations on a team who may have overachieved? Uh, we, we kind of beat that point to death early in the show, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I distill it. I, I think they're a second-round team. Uh, I'm not going to say ceiling definitively uh, because who knows who their second-round opponent is going to be. Uh, but that's 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 pretty much my high-end expectation for this team at this point, Second round, and as we fleshed out at the beginning of the show, that would be a successful season: 45 to 50 wins, top-five MVP candidate, second-round playoff team. With a hopefully a clear idea of where this team needs to improve in the off season. to me, that's a success. What do you think, Tom?
1: Yeah, um, the ultimate the dream situation success for this season is you know you have an i o Kobe, Patrick Williams, um you get through the season healthy, um, second round exit, um, multiple all- stars, uh, multiple all NBA uh players um i'm just running off the list preseason wise of what a success would look like this yeah. year yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're gonna hit most of those things second round projected exit um uh, but make it to the second round like relevant re-
0: and relevance matters to a certain yeah. extent i mean yeah
1: and you're relevant like you're on tnt teams aren't calling you jokes charles isn't calling you a joke on tnt you know anymore um so all of those things they hit most of those things um so yeah like that's a, that's a successful season you know for right now having a clear knowledge of what you have helps you in the off season knowing what you need going forward yeah. and the only thing that seems to be missing is the Patrick Williams uh yeah. question mark is that's yeah. that's the only thing keeping this from a being a super as successful as it can be season is is the Patrick Williams question mark but other than that, this has been a successful season. Uh, again, like I said before, like depending on the matchups, on what ends up happening in the first round. If if they get knocked out in the first round, but it's yeah. a tough fall series, I still think that's a, a success. But I think that they can make it to the uh, to the second round, um, and but I don't think they get past there. But still, a very very successful season. Agreed,
0: uh, and we're not trying to like we're not trying to end the bull season after whatever sixty four games or whatever. Like we're not, and that's why we got a couple questions about the off and what resources they'll have to add, guys. I don't want to get into that stuff until it's time to get into that stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially because, like you said, there are questions uh, still to be answered. The NBA it changes, you know, week to week. Like there could be, you know, you don't root for this, but there could be, you know, injuries to other contending teams. You know, mm-hmm. trends can go one way or the other. The Bulls could get everybody back, and it could be just like it was in November and December, and it could be amazing and and prognostications can change. Uh, but this is kind of, that's just kind of where my head is at right now. It seems like Tony, you're kind of in a uh, similar place. Um, and, you know, I, this was something that was repeated a lot coming into the season. Like when it was, when it was questioned by some, including me, like if the amount of resources and, and you, if it was questioned, whether the bulls putting this amount of resources into this team was worth, you know, the potential reward, I think I, I could say that I was proven wrong because of the ceiling that this team has shown and, you know, how well a lot of the different guys have played and how well, you know, everything has, has coalesced. Uh, you know, that was a, that, that was a question um, coming into the season, but the retort to that was, well, you just want to be in the game, right? If you're in the mix, if you're in the game and you're one or two breaks away or anything like that, like anything can happen. I think no matter how the season ends for the bulls, they are, in the mix right now. Um, and, uh, you know, again, that's something to be grateful for. That is, uh, that is a success. So, like I said, we had a few questions about the off season that I just, I just don't think it's fair to this bulls team, which has, you know, had the season that they've had so far, and it's not even close to, to over yet. And there's still a lot of questions left to be answered. I don't want to get into like free agency talk or draft talk or anything like that until we're there. Um, we may have missed a couple more uh, from Twitter. I apologize if we did, uh but thank you to everybody for the amazing questions uh i always i always have so much fun doing these because we always i feel like unearth you know different uh, perspectives or we kind of i think about things in a way that i didn't necessarily before um and it's nice to you know blow things out into the big picture uh with a mailbag so and tony thanks to you you know making the rare rare appearance on the bulls talk podcast we miss
1: (laughs) you yeah Yeah, (laughs) man i mean yeah there's been a lot a lot of things going on you (laughs) know changes being made so yeah, yeah. It's, it's glad to be back. Uh, I plan, as the season winds out, I plan to be a part of more
0: of these. All right. Uh, so we will be back with you guys uh, on Friday. Uh, once again, thanks for all the questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, if you're with us on YouTube, uh, we appreciate all our YouTube viewers. Um, and we will see you guys later in the week. We hope you enjoyed the Bulls Talk podcast. Find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe if you like the show. Feel free to rate and review us. New episodes are ready every Tuesday and Friday morning.